1: Stephen Santos is a dynamic minister who transformed his life through the program at Teen Challenge Boston. His story started when he had fallen off pipe staging at a construction project and broke his back. He was put on pain medication and got addicted in that process, which eventually made him turn to heroin. There was a messenger from God by a former student at Teen Challenge Boston who came to Stephen when he was in jail at rock bottom and told him about Teen Challenge and how this program would be effective in his life. Upon leaving prison, he had a choice, to go back to the old life or to go to Teen Challenge and finally start living. He chose life over death. God had a greater plan for him. Since then, Stephen has graduated the program and has now become a staff member with Teen Challenge Greater Boston to answer his true calling as a minister and helping others overcome addiction we welcome Steven Santos. Hello everyone, welcome. And today we have a very special guest here on Underdog. Uh, We have Steven Santos. Steven, thank you so, so much for being here today. How are you?
0: Oh, well, thank you for having me.
1: No, thank you so much for being here. You know, what's what's crazy is this interview has been very long awaited on my behalf. I remember uh, meeting you, when was it? It was 2019, right? November 2019, you guys were at the Natick Mall and I saw your sign for Teen Challenge. And I just remember going over to you and saying, hey, like, what's your story? What's your involvement? And I remember just being blown away with what you had said to me. And that sort of has always stuck with me since I met you, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, it just floored me. And I think to this day, it's going to floor anyone else who hears it. So I'd love for you to sort of give us your background. I guess we could start of like where you were in the past, you know, in your story, and then sort of get into, you know, where you're at now in like, in sequence, I'll probably ask some questions along the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Wareham, uh, Massachusetts, Uh, as a young kid, it was just I had a normal family, had a mom and dad that stayed with me, Um, I had brothers who kind of supported me and were just there for me. And, you know, I started to allow myself to get crazy when high school kicked in. You know, I started playing football and things got uh, really selfish. And I started to do started to mess around with alcohol and marijuana. And and that moved into uh, other drugs lightly at the time. And then uh, when I was in my 20s, I had fallen off of some pipe staging and uh, broke my back. And so I had uh, back surgery. And from having back surgery, I was put on uh, pain medication um, in a substantial amount. And as you know, uh, it's easily to get uh, addicted, uh, especially if you have an addictive past. And so for me, that's what I went to right away, uh, was just being addicted to the pills uh, constantly, and that turned into heroin. It really took me from having a family and having a job and having a focus on a future um, to just focusing on the drug and nothing else. And I was able to lose everything that was in my possession um, along with dreams that I had for my future. And through my addiction, my father, who was my best friend, we spent a lot of time together, I was getting sick. Uh, He had diabetes and he had um, a bad heart. And so he was uh, dealing with health issues and I didn't see how bad he was declining. Uh, at the time, and so when I reached out, um, I reached out to him and and told him that you know, I was in trouble. i was I was addicted to the drugs. and he had always had uh, words of inspiration for me, um like just telling me about how important it is for me to live my life. and he had big expectations for me. And one day, uh, my mom had tried to reach out to me, I was getting high. i didn't I didn't answer the phone. My father actually was dying. And uh, I ended up getting to the phone like three hours later and he had already passed and so i didn't know so i rushed to the hospital you know frantic family there i was thinking that i was going to fix everything and so um i'll never get that moment back but at that time i didn't couldn't see past that i was pretty in a bad way that i had really lost it and ended up in prison two days later um and so when i went to prison it was you know, I didn't want to live anymore. I had lost my dad. I, I let him down. I wasn't there for him. Um, I had lost my family, my home, my business, everything that I had anything to do with. And so I met a guy in there who knew that, you know, I wanted to end my life. I didn't want to live anymore. And he was actually a former resident of Teen Challenge. And I knew none of this. Growing up, I was in the church. But I moved away from it as I got into my teenage years. And so he slid slid some scriptures under the uh, prison door and just uh, told me that if I make it to the morning, that will have more for me. And that God had a plan and a place for me. And, and he said all this other stuff that I really didn't want to hear at the time. And so I was in that cell and I just was trying to find ways to end my life. And, and uh, there's ways in the cell that you can do that. And I was in a bad way. Looked, I said, you know what? Let me look at the, what he put under there. For some reason, I read it. And I just had a presence that I can't explain to anybody in words that was in that cell came over me a feeling there was breeze in there there was no windows it was I was on my knees on the floor and I cried all night long I didn't sleep in that position cried all night it was just a revelation in my life and
1: in your prison cell yeah
0: yeah And, and then I came out of that cell and I ran over to him and I said hey whatever you can do the feeling that I had showed me that there's more in my life and I need to live for Christ. And he was like, I will feed you the whole time you're here. And so he fed me and he was not only with just the word of God, but also with ways to be able to reach out to those that get hurt in addiction and don't feel like there's a future for them. And so he was really like digging into me. And so I finished my prison sentence. uh, And on the last day, he told me, he said, you're going to have a decision to make in life. And so when you walk out those doors, you're going to either go to the left and you're going to go back to your old life and you're going to succumb to the devil's grasp and you're going to die and, and and or you're going to go to the right and you're going to get on that bus and you're going to go to Teen Challenge and you're going to make a difference in not only your life but others. And so I got on that bus and went to Teen Challenge and my life and all the things I dreamed for my life has not only come true but has surpassed any of my expectations. And so my life now I live for serving and making sure that there's other people out there that know that they're worth living, that their life is worth it, that they're not worthless, that they're not alone, that there's so much resources that they can tap into and it doesn't have to be Always on a spiritual level, but it can be that you can connect with somebody who can pray for you, who can make it happen for you, who will walk you through that valley that you're going through. And so, a lot of people um, they feel alone, and it's hard for them. I felt alone too, and God put an angel there, um, and He knows who He is, and He changed my life, and He helped me to get into that position. And so now, as of August of 2019, I have gotten married. I also have bought a home and God is providing all the things in my life that I never thought was possible.
1: That is, oh my gosh. And now you're sitting as the director of Teen Challenge,
0: am yeah. I correct? Well, so now I'm sitting That's as real. as a pro, well, what I do now is I'm the admissions coordinator yeah. and I do program development as well for Teen Challenge Greater Boston.
1: Yeah that's unreal how the flips how the script flipped right yeah yeah oh my god i have so many questions for you because i i was i was floored the first time i heard your story i was like and you were on heroin for 16 years right
0: yeah Yeah. opiates and heroin for 16 years
1: 16 years and then you went to prison you were homeless and like oh my god so many questions that i have for you so when you were sort of down in the dumps like you know because and this is the hardest thing for anyone to conquer right when you're rock bottom you know and i know as i've experienced that in my own way you know and everybody has their own way of how they get to their definition of rock bottom or their lowest point in their life the hardest part is just getting over that hump yeah so anyone who's facing addiction or really any hardship in their lives like you know, what was something that really helped you? I know that gentleman helped you big time. What was something, was there anything else that was sort of keeping you going on the day-to-day to be like, you know, I need a more
0: Realized, a lot of me was realizing that my youngest son, uh, Stevie Jr., was out there in state custody and he did nothing wrong, you know, because I was in a situation where I wasn't able to provide and take care of him at the time and so for him to be there was hard for me i said you know what lord i'm gonna make sure that i do everything i can so that i can provide a home for him mm. come back and he can uh, have a home and have all the things he should have had from the beginning and so that was something that i held on to as well um, but as i went through i learned that if i don't do it for myself i'll never be able to help no one else and so as i started to do it for myself Those things came together. And so now, in February, that is going to come true. You know, he's going to be able to live with me. And, and, you know, like I said, I bought a home and he has his own room. And he has all the things that he never had before. I mean, when I was through my addiction, I want you to know that I was, had sold everything. And I was, I was reaching out to people who would pay my hotel room so that I could take all the money and spend it on drugs. And my son was going from hotel room to hotel room and he wasn't getting the life that he should have had.
1: So that was one of your motivations. So because I feel I feel that sometimes too. You know, it was like I remember in my life, you know, when I went through my low point, not you know, there's because there's no comparisons when it comes to low points, you know, everyone has their own. Yeah. But I just remember if it wasn't for myself that it was for my family or someone close to. You. So it looks like that's what sort of kept the ball going for you. I just find it fascinating how it sort of shifted and it's like how and most people think that something like this takes, I mean, it does take a, a great amount of strength. Now the question is, it was a step-by-step process, right? Oh yes. Like, to get to here because sometimes people feel so disconnected. And I'm sure you hear this in your program when you're like, how can I go from this to this? Yeah. What would be your way of sort of breaking it down for them in a way that's like tangible? You know what I mean? Cause some people are at, could be at rock bottom right now and be like, how the heck am I going to get to where Steve is? Like you know, he did all this in such a short amount of time, you know? So it's like, I always love to know, like, what's your mind state behind that?
0: The great thing about uh, admissions coordinator now is that I can meet these guys from their lowest point Mm -hmm. and get them to their highest point with being, uh, getting a bed available for them and putting them through the program. And so with that, I wrote a book. I wrote a book that's called Set the Captive Free. And in that book, Uh, which isn't published yet. But in that book, we give it to the residents that come into the program and it provides them a sense of something they can grab onto for the first 30 days. Each day, about what you're going through, how you're feeling, how to persevere through that feeling and get to that next morning. Because in the walk of recovery, it's every day in every moment. So, there's sometimes in the morning you can feel great, and in, in the afternoon you're ready and raring and in rare form. And so, as you're going through that, it gives you the tools and the information to continue to get you through that first 30 days because the first 30 days are so important in anybody's recovery. After you get through the first 30 days in your mind, you're saying, I can do this. And then you have to take it one day at a time. Make sure that you surround yourself with the proper people that are positive in your life so that you don't fill your life with negative and move backwards, but positive and continue to move forward. That's what's so important.
1: So I find it incredible that you're giving back and that book is going to do wonders. Once it's published, I can already tell you, I'm sure there's going to be thousands, millions of people out there that would want that book. Can you give me sort of like the excerpt like of the first three days because those have to be the hardest, I would imagine, yeah? Oh
0: yeah, oh yeah, because the first three days you're wondering, why am I here? What am I doing? I All you're thinking about is finding a way to get back on the street and get high. Um, you're thinking about exit plans. You're thinking about, sometimes it's a lot lot to do with depression and anxiety that's going through your body and your mind Mm -hmm. you're constantly thinking of the what-ifs and 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 uh you know your family that you may have heard on the outside and if they're not going to be there for you and so a lot of us we tend to through recovery we tend to think about everybody else and the main thing you need to do is think about you and as you focus on you Everybody else in your family that love you are going to surround you. Those that can't forgive may not, but you do it through action and not through words. And so I was always taught that by a spiritual leader in my life that always said, make sure you do what you do through your actions and not through the words that come out of your mouth, because people will trust what you do and not what you say you're going to do.
1: hmm Amen to that. So that's like sort of the first three-day expert
0: excerpts. Yeah, yeah. So we really the first three days in the program is really the first couple of weeks is really just loving. We believe that addiction ends with love, and mm-hmm. then. That- of God. And so it's very important that you love on somebody when they come in because they don't know what that is right now. And so when I came in the program, there was guys that were loving on me and hugging on me and praying. And I didn't know what that was. I felt uncomfortable at first because through my addiction, I pushed love away. I just wanted nothing to do with any of that. Right. So as that entered into my heart. It started to change me as a person. I used to be very aggressive and angry. And now my wife says, I'm soft as baby poop. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so awesome. So now, so with your wife, when did you meet her? When did that sort of start to play in the picture?
0: So the way it works in Teen Challenge is, after we, I graduated, I met her um, on the stage in Brockton when I graduated. Yeah, and I asked her if I can, if I can call her and pray. And she was very willing to pray. And so we prayed at night. You know, every couple of days we prayed at night. Then it started to be every night we prayed. And then we started to build a friendship that moved into we felt a certain way for each other. And so we brought it to, um, she brought it to her pastor and I brought it to uh, my leadership. And we went through a courtship process, which was over a year, and uh, got married. Yeah. and yeah, it's
1: Congratulations. That's incredible. Incredible. You met her on this stage. Like, what are the odds? Like, it was
0: so weeks before that, I said to the Lord, I said in, in prayer, I said, I won't focus on anybody but you because I don't want nothing to get in the way of my attention for him. And that's when he provided. The wife for me, because throughout my life, I was always looking for the wrong person, and she has just been an amazing blessing. The way she prays, and she's a worship singer, and, and the power that's behind her voice not only for the Lord, but you know, just to sing is amazing. And so, together, we get to really help people and really focus on the lord together and, and he builds us up she also likes to sponsor the girls at the bloom home which is a 13 to 17 year old uh, troubled youth program and so she is a part of that as well helping out and so together we're able to really dedicate and serve for the lord in ways that we never thought possible and it feeds us every day you know
1: that's incredible so the two became one truly yeah, truly It is incredible because you both have that same mission to serve. I just find it remarkable. I mean, that's your your soulmate right there. And who never thought, you know, years ago that you'd be in this position, right? Like, would you have ever dreamed it?
0: Nope. Not at all. I never – like, I mean, we have dreams for – For our future, but my dreams never were what they are now. Do you know what I mean? We always you always want to dream in the material aspect, like, oh, I'm gonna have this fancy car and this fancy home. There's no value and love within that. And so what I have now, I would never exchange it for anything. It's like joy beyond measures that I can't even comprehend. And then I'm able to share that, especially when we go out into the communities and set up uh tables and really try to reach those that are hurting that don't have access to us. We get out there and we can talk with them. That's rewarding.
1: Absolutely. Now, throughout your work, what has been the biggest struggle that you see for us? Since you're in the admission, so you see it firsthand. Yeah. What's the biggest struggle out there right now?
0: Is, so for a lot of people, it's them doubting themselves. So for me, it's a struggle because I want them to see their potential. And so I try to share my testimony and try to let them know that it's possible for them as well. But when you're that deep and it's the beginning, you can't see past that blank wall. And so the hardest part is to get them to see that it's okay. It's possible for you. A lot of people say, man, Teen Challenge, that's the strictest program in the country. You know, you can't smoke cigarettes and you can't have a cell phone. All those material things that you held on to that will not only get you in trouble but drag you deeper down. Mm-hmm. and realize that once you learn here you get all those things back and you can learn the goodness of each of that and be able to have the phone but make the proper calls to the to the good people and, in your life and build yourself up and get education that you never thought possible and save money that you never thought you could save. Mm-hmm. I mean that was huge for me you know getting me and my wife is we both got ourselves in a place where, uh, we were able to save and b- buy a home and and do all those things that we would have never been possible if we were uh, in our addictions in any fashion.
1: Right. And what's the hardest part in getting them past that first roadblock? Oh, I say sure. this Because I know there's people listening who either like myself, haven't dealt with it personally or know somebody, everyone knows somebody with an addiction. Yeah, it, it breaks my soul, but they do. And so it's like, how do you sort of help them? indirectly, or if you're facing it yourself, like how do you get past that hump of doubting?
0: So A lot of people that I've been in contact with, or even at the malls, their families don't want to talk about it. Um, they feel like it's a put down or, or to their family or a disgrace. And so that puts a person deeper and deeper in their addiction, because they don't have nobody to talk to. And so I would say to be open, talk about it, find someone that you know, that won't judge you, That'll be able to tell you, hey, listen, and give you the proper information and send you to the right places so that you get help and it's not a spin wash. You don't just go somewhere and get, you know, because I want you to know, and a lot of people out there, I want you to know as well, that there is a lot of people that are overdosing. And the reason why they're overdosing is because they go and they get a small bit of help and they get clean for a little while and then they go out and think they can get high like they used to and then they're dying. And so we need to make sure that we, when they start to get clean, we provide them with the resources and the information and the strength that surrounds them so that anytime they got an itch, we got somebody there that can scratch it for them in a positive way. Teach them, help them to learn how to live life without the drug, deal with issues and problems in their life because they're always going to be there. We can say how godly a person is or how much you live doing the right thing. The storm will come. and It's not if but it's when. And so when the storm comes, you want to be provided with the tools so that you are able to get through that storm and continue to keep moving forward. Right. So that is usually the hardest part is for people to not only just believe in themselves, but be surrounded by people that believe in them as well.
1: Right. And now speaking of that, now tell, tell me a little bit about Teen Challenge and sort of your role as the admissions counselor. Like what's your day-to-day look like?
0: So I'm constantly, my day-to-day is, so I do admissions and I do program development. So my day-to-day is setting up places that we can actually go out and reach the community. Setting up with, with malls and with storefronts so we can get out and really not only bring funds to the ministry, but also be able to really reach out to those that are sick and suffering and that don't have anyone in their lives Are not they don't have nobody who's positive. They don't have none of the resources. And so we provide them with the resources. We also do outreaches where we hand out clothes and we hand out backpacks and We do things like that so that we can not only help the community, but be able to show and give back and so That's huge on our outreach standpoint. Uh, We also reach out to a lot of detoxes and um, CSSs and other programs uh, to let them know that there's a long-term treatment program that these guys can come out of and women can come out of and then get into that long-term. Because for me, I needed the structure in long-term. I could do a 30-60-90 and walk out of there and go get high and not have no problem with it. But when you get into a long-term, it teaches you throughout that entire time, because you're going to go through things throughout that time. It's going to teach you how to live in a support group around you. And so we have graduates now that have left the program that reach out to us, keep in contact with us. If they got anything going on, they reach out, how do I react to this? How do I act towards this? And so we're there for them to mentor them through that as well.
1: So how long is the Teen Challenge program?
0: So this program is 12 to 15 months. We have some that can go 12 months because uh, they've been fast-tracked. They're doing the right thing. They're really pressing in. And then you you can apply for a six-month, which is an internship. or And so people can do that as well and possibly stay on like I did. But there's people that they do the 12 to 15 months. They go out into the world. They have a support system uh, all around them, and they're flourishing and doing amazing things.
1: That's incredible. That's incredible. So now with Team Challenge, what are some upcoming events and different things that you guys will be working on?
0: And so right now we have our, our virtual 5K. Obviously, you know, because of annual 5K that we have every year. Um, but this year we're going to do a virtual one. And so with COVID, it's been very hard on us as a nonprofit because our generated funds and our really where we go out to is Mostly churches. Mm. And so with that, churches have been closed. They're not doing Mm -hmm. holding services inside. And so it's been really hard on us. So we've been reaching out for support in that aspect. But we have our Freedom 5K, which is a virtual run walk, August 29th. I know you have the link and you'd be able to provide that. But the registration is $30. We ask everybody, please, you can run a walk wherever you are. You do the 5K on your own. And you take a picture and you send it to us and just show us that you participated. And so that money really helps us to continue to sustain and continue to be able to get out there and help people as a ministry.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that. So everyone who's listening, August 29th, we got the virtual 5k and I'll provide the link as well in your bio. And then also too, Steve, I wanted to ask you, this is always a deep question, right? What would your older self tell your younger self? advice?
0: So I would think my advice would be because my older self, my younger self would be me now. Amen.
1: Amen. (laughs) Yep.
0: (laughs) So um, I would probably have my older self tell my younger self to keep doing what you're doing, that you're really making a difference. And uh, as you continue to keep pushing through, you're going to see that when you get older, it's the fruits are going to be there. There's going to be people's lives that have changed through what you say, um, through the times that, You've been out there in the community and really been trying to just show and share your testimony, and all of those are going to be worth it, and lives are going to be changed, and we're going to be able to get ahead of this addiction pandemic along with what's going on, because that's what's really happening, this addiction is addiction has circum our entire worlds and uh, everybody knows somebody and so if you are able to help one person that can help another person it's a chain of freedom in a lot of people's lives and so if i can be of a little help to that i think my older self would say that's that's what has happened and so just keep doing what you're doing
1: and what would you say to anyone who's going through it right now or has a loved one that's going through it addiction Uh,
0: support them be positive Do your homework to investigate for them of places that can really help and change their lives. Bring them to Team Challenge Greater Boston. That can save their lives as well, is uh, surround them with positive people uh, and just don't give up on them. You know, sometimes you want to give up because they've done wrong to you. But remember, it's an illness, it's a sickness, and the only way they can get through it is with help. And so just don't give up.
1: Thank you so much. Now, for the last thing, how can everyone reach you? Where can they find you?
0: So if they need to get a hold of me, uh, if they have someone who is uh, struggling and needs to get into a program, or if they just want to talk about information and how they can help, they can reach me at ssantos at tcgreaterboston.org, or you can reach me by my cell, which is 617-869-6652
1: and steve thank you so so much for being here today absolutely loved your story and i know everyone else listening will love and appreciate it just as much as i did so thank you thank you thank you
0: yeah absolutely thank you for having me Uh, also if they're really interested in making any kind of donations uh, that would really help the ministry a a lot they can go on to our website which is www.tcgreaterboston.org and it'll walk you through any donations you want to make and so God bless you. It's amazing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing because thank, it's awesome.
1: Thank you, Steve. God bless you, too. God bless you, too. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: Thank you. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own.
1: So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.